Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome in. Uh, she's the, the doctor that we all need in our lives. She is uh, also, of course, an activist. She's the TEO of Calabash Tea and Tonic, which is in D.C. Calabash Tea is where you can go dot com to check it out. Let me welcome the one and only alchemist herself, Dr. Sinyata Amen. Welcome. Hey, you are muted. Ciao. Thank you. How are you feeling today? I am good. I'm good. I'm good. You were shaking your head and everything. We don't, I don't think we talk enough about fertility and things. You know, we've, you know, I have several friends that are going through IVF and, you know, um, that whole process with the needles and everything. And, you know, to to give birth is, is a beautiful thing. It's not something that I've ever wanted to do, but, you know, I definitely respect it and children are our future and I love them. Uh, as long as they get to go home with the parents. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I feel like we, we, we should talk about these things. We just had a woman on who has a donor registry for people who have had, um, you know, their children through uh, donations of either eggs or sperm. And right. so that the children could come together. And so many people don't tell that their children are. So they, they got to find out, like, what the hell? We don't, yeah. we, we got to do better. We d- we definitely do. We are, we're, we're doing better. And I'm really glad to hear that folks are exploring options, including adoption. Uh, you know, if my children hadn't snuck me, I probably wouldn't have had them. So there it is. <laughs> but I- <laughs> you said they snuck you. Come on. Yo. Yeah. I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> They they overcame odds and and, and were consistent. <laughs> they were gonna be here. You better say that, Doctor Almond. They were not playing. Those yep. ancestors, they were like, we're showing up. We don't we care. Like, your birth you control do. is trash. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, we're leaping we over hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> so I will oh. say it's, it's it's great when we're able to explore issues, um, especially for women of color, where uh, uterine health and you know even being recommended wholesale to having ovarian hysterectomies or myomectomies or whatever the case is, because, you know, fibroids may be an issue and other things. So I'm, I'm really glad that we're looking at the preventative measures that we can uh, obtain, you know, in our lives and, and impart to our friends and family and the things that we're doing to really make that a reality and not just take a recommendation on face value, but go and get second and third opinions. Um, these things are super important. And I, I love that we're really leaning into that. You know, when we talk about Ida B. Wells and we talk about all the folks who uh, had conversations about Mississippi appendectomies, you know, and just these these forced things upon women of color, especially where our, our reproductive health is concerned that, you know, whether or not you wanted to use your plumbing, you wanted it in working order. Um, and I see you have a picture of Ida behind you. Ida, Fannie, Lee, Fannie Lou Hamer got uh, sterilized, uh, That what they call it, sterilized. Fannie Lou Hamer yep. also had a procedure done to her. And, you know, I love that in Maroon's Medicine Chest, those of you who are in Nubia, please go back and watch uh, some of the early um discussions with Dr. Yeah. Amen because there were a lot of people coming in asking about fibroids and asking about, you know, maintaining the health in that area. And you, you know, you provided a lot and there's some teas and tonics that you have uh, for Punani health as well. 
Punani Power. Yes. yes, Punani Power. I, I am think. a fan of yeah. Punani Power. And so I think all Punanis need to be powerful no matter what they're doing. And so uh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear this conversation and that these things have come out of, you know, uh, the closet, you know, with our aunties and our grandmothers and uh, and great aunts. And we heard whispers of female trouble, you know, but the idea that that now we're able to have these conversations aloud and you've built such an amazing network here and in Nubia where we can discuss these things freely without shame and knowing that it's not our failure, even though things may be called ovarian failure, it's just challenges. And uh, we've met bigger challenges as women of color. And so these are just more challenges and we have uh, options and that's good. I was saying earlier, Katala Merritt was here, um, that our secrets are, you know, we don't talk, we've been conditioned in our community to not talk about things, yeah. you know, first children should be seen and not heard. I know there are vestiges of enslavement that there was yeah. about keeping us safe. So there was a, you know, the, the notion that if we, you know, we can't talk about these things because then mass is going to get us and, you know, you don't want to raise children to be, you know, so if we could keep as much information as possible away from the young people, but what ended up happening is the institutional knowledge didn't get handed down. And you are a product of institutional knowledge being handed down from your dad, from your grandparents. And, uh, one of, the for things better you, or worse yeah better. I mean, no but you know the one <laughs> i think the thing that makes you so powerful is that it, it's you're not starting from scratch with this right so whether you know, when we talk about you know the witchcraft and the, you know the 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 elements being manipulated this is generations long and then you add medical school your dad was a doctor you add that to it so there's book knowledge as well and western you know understanding. well my dad was an ethno an ethnobotanist Oh, so, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. What? And he, he went to Cuba to study too. And so his his field was really how do we connect these indigenous medicines back to modern health? And uh, what I love what you're saying in terms of uh, having an unbroken chain of information. It's also a responsibility that we all have in cultural custodianship to make sure that we're sharing these things and bringing our brick, as you like to say, right, which I think is brilliant, and helping to build those institutions that allow us to learn these things. I, I can't tell you, I mean, I go to Howard University at least three times uh, a semester to teach the medical students, dental students, and other allied health professionals um, about herbal medicines because they invite me, they want to know more, and I'm thrilled because this is a relatively new um, acceptance where their professors are willing to sponsor such events. They're sitting in there with them. It's a great conversation because as you see, we want options. And maybe we're a little sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we're moving into a space where we want to consider our wellness in a preventative fashion. So I, I'm thrilled, you know, just wow. to be here. I'm grateful. Uh, Dr. Senyata is here. Senyata Amen. You can follow her there at Calabash Tea. So healthy hot takes. We, we're going to start this journey of, of taking things yeah. that were in the news and or that's in, the, you know, people are talking about and mm -hmm. you're bringing your spin. So what you got today? Yeah. So today I was, I was thinking about the fact I've read an article um, and I'm pulling it for you that talked about how half the tea in the United Kingdom in, in really in Europe, right? Like that half of the black tea that's found there 
is produced in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, Kenya un, is, is the undisputed champion. So let's take it from here, right? Tea in general, just the tea plant, the Camellia senesis plant. Um, when we think about uh, green tea, black tea, white tea, oolongs, this is all from the same plant. It's just how it's treated. And Kenya is a is a heavy hitter in that capacity. Let's just talk about what people drink on the planet, right? That the top three drinks, the top four drinks in the world. What, what do you think is a top one? Professor Hunter. It should be water. (laughs) Yes, it is. Woo! All right. Ah. Yes, and I see you sipping on your water. Yeah, I have to. I got to stay hydrated in these streets. Yes. Um, Water is the number one. How about the number two? It's probably coffee. I was drinking my matcha today and I was like, is this how people feel about their coffee? Because I was like, I got a big mug and I was like, <laughs> I was like so Have happy. you had the new one that I mixed all of them together inspired by you? What? Wait a minute. I did a, I did a superfood mix. So it has matcha, it has ashwagandha, it has uh, maca in it, mushroom. Like I put it all together because so I only need that- one teaspoon instead of me dipping my spoon into all of the different bags. One okay. singular sensation. Okay. I love it. <laughs> so, yes. So we have water is the number one. Number two, we have tea. Tea is two. Is that yes. because Great Britain made it into a thing to have the tea time with the scones and the nom, 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 and then um, pass it to India and China? Right. Mm. No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's because the places that they colonized and attempted to colonize were already tea countries. And the reason why they were uh, instituting that colonization, both going into India and into China, starting whole wars, you know, imagine that your drink is so dear to you that you'll start wars over it. And if we think about the Americas, the United States, I mean, it started with a little dust up, didn't it, about tea. That Boston Tea Party was a thing because the British wanted taxes paid and they were like, nah, we're having our tea. We're not paying any taxes. And that resonates even today where people call themselves in newer political parties, the Tea Party. So it still exists in the language, right? But that was the the beginning of the end for British rule in the United States, in, in what was the colonies, right? So we have water, we have tea, which is an indigenous traditional drink, you know, um, Kenya is the second largest producer of of tea in the world, right? Of black tea in the world. And so we may not know that fun fact, right? Number three, what's the third most most popular drink? I'm just seeing if you- All right, then it has to be, is either coffee or Coca-Cola. You're absolutely right, it's Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is what they call it. Very embarrassingly, Coca-Cola. And then number four is coffee. So imagine the fact that uh, America is very coffee-driven society, yet it's really the fourth in the world. And when we think about a global aspect of, as you like to, to call it, and it's absolutely true, a global majority, brown people throughout the world imbibe on tea every day. Coffee tends to be ceremonial. It tends to not be a huge cup, you know, a, a 20-ounce cup of coffee or whatever the case is, or drinking it all day. It's more uh, coffee the, you know, coffee is uh, born in Ethiopia. That's the birthplace of coffee. And coffee in Ethiopia is called buna. And buna means 
community, really, like tradition, like we're all sitting around, that like we're having this drink together. So tea is much the same. And when I thought about Kenya and uh, its tea production, I really thought about how much, how much of that tea is passing through from the black farmer directly to us and how many of those farmers are being paid fairly for this particular product. And when we talk about this time of the year, we're buying stuff, we're buying gifts, we're, you know, and we may be throwing our money at box stores a whole lot too. But how do we invest in these places that are all about us? And also there's a richness to Africa, not just Ethiopia having coffee as its as its uh, gift to the world, but imagine all of these teas. Do you do you enjoy like a leafy tea, like a green or well, you black? know, I'm, I'm I was a green, I was a sentient, like and it it was funny when I was in Africa and uh, I went to these different places and I was like green tea and they kept bringing back tea that was brown and I know that there's some <laughs> green tea that's brown but I like my green tea neon I need it to be neon <laughs> and then I discovered matcha which gives me the color the and it's all right. of that and I'm right now on your site I'm at calabashtea.com mm-hmm. and I'm looking at Senyata's Superfood Master Mix and the thing about the mixing of these is like I don't know how much of what to put in to you know so I'm um, right. do a heaping teaspoon of the matcha and then maybe a little less of that of the maca and then a, even a little right. less of that of the mushroom because you got to be careful with that mushroom. But you have put it all in the in the formula at the right yeah. dosage. Yeah, I did because I just know how it is. And in my own travels, when I have to travel and do things, hanging out with you, going to you know, uh, healthy, wealthy, wise conference, whatever we're doing, I have to bring my tea with me and I can't bring like five packs of things. So I just combined it in its right formulation and that works. So as you're hanging out there on the website, I want you to see something. Do you see um, a tea called Elephant Walk? Wait, let me Google search. So the Elephant Walk is under the black teas and the green teas. And in that you like green tea so much, I want to tell you about this. All right, so, before this is this okay, y'all. First of all, um, the Octavia Butler the purple tea is delicious. This is purple too. This elephant it, walk. It okay, give me the story here. So the Octavia is purple because it has hibiscus and it has butterfly pea flower. But this tea is actually grown in Kenya. And I absolutely love the idea of us connecting directly to our farmers. And the people you see there are our actual people we know, right? And the idea that this tea is the only tea in the world that contains certain bioflavonoids, right? Like these nutrients that help immune boosting. They help our um, free radicals like calm down in the system. And that's when we get back to like fibroids and tumors. And, you know, we, we want those things in our system to give us the, the ultimate health. So, you know, there, the, the idea of eating the rainbow, which we've talked about a lot before, there's one particular color in the rainbow that's very difficult to get in our diets. And that's purple. And so blueberries, I know, I know the name is blueberry, but it's actually deep purple, right? You have purple cabbages, purple onions, that kind of thing. But um, this tea, Kenyan tea that's grown at the 6,000 above sea level and higher is unique because um, it contains the bioflavonoid that makes things purple. And so within the con- the context of making things purple, this anthocyanin is uh, delicious and the tea just tastes rich 
and it's not too green. Like sometimes I know you love matcha, but sometimes I find matcha to taste a little too top green. Yeah, I like that though. I mean, you know, and I think everyone should <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I was I was um, I'm working on some some things and started back mm-hmm. writing, and I was kind of breaking down for the for the new year when I eliminated sugar from my my tea experience, and it was gradual, you know. Because uh, my dad and I used to drink Lipton's with a lot of milk and a lot of sugar. You know, that was one of our things while we played Scrabble. Yeah. It's like candy. Um, and I remember, you know, saying to myself, well, what would it taste like with only two teaspoons instead of three? And what would it taste like with one, you know? And then going into Tivana the first time and, you know, they have all of those samples out there. And yeah. for the first time, really getting to taste the the elements. The tea itself. Yeah. Um, that's an experience. And to, to me, anyone that's going to, you know, Calabash to get tea, mm-hmm. but you're, you know, over indulging in the sugars, you're missing the, the very, I feel like it's almost counteracting the things that you're trying to do with the elements right. that you're bringing together. Right. You know what? I love what you said about dialing the sugar back. Um, sugar is, is so close in our brains to cocaine and who doesn't love cocaine, but I will say that <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> jokes, jokes, yes. but I, but I will say that it's a hell of a drug and sugar is a hell of a drug. And so what ends up happening is that the addiction that takes place with sugar and salt to another extent, and we'll definitely talk about that. Um, that addictive quality of sugar is so intense that we have to dial it back little by little, typically just, just a little by little. I loved how you did that where you just said, well, three teaspoons. Well, how about two? Well, how about one and a half? And, you know, weeks go by and then before you know it, you know, you're reducing the amount of sugar in your system. I couldn't believe that I adjusted like and now today, if I put any sugar in, it was like, it's like, what is this? It does, it's fine. You it know, set your teeth on edge. No, it's like, it's weird. But I remember saying, huh, one teaspoon tastes as sweet as it, the three teaspoons that I did yeah. a month ago. That, yeah. that adjustment can be made. Um, and I think we don't know that because just like, you know, we didn't always grow up with a bunch of sugar in our diets, even though. Yeah. You know. We, you know, the problem is, um, we've become a slave to sugar and sugar is also what was used to enslave us. So we have this very complicated relationship with sugar having been, as we talk about tea and the colonization of that, you know, colonization in the Americas and really globally, right? We got to think about Europe and, and, British, uh, the British royalty, et cetera, in particular, they said that the sun never set on the British empire because their Navy was just so great that they went everywhere. It, it, due to that, right, the desire not to pay tariffs and taxes with salts and sugars and things coming out of uh, the Suhail and out of Africa and out of India, they were like, you know what, let's have people give us free labor, We're going to get free labor in the Americas. You can't have any of these British monarchies, aristocracy, anything without plantocracies. Plantocracies built this country, the capitalist society that we live in, everything from cotton to sugar to spices. This is the backbone of what built 
wealth for these second and third and fourth aristocratic sons who came to this country and built plantations, right? The, the Raleigh's and the, and the uh, Durham's and the, you know, the, the, you could tell by the names of places, Maryland and Georgia and Charlotte and, you know, you name it. Right. And Within that context, we have to say to ourselves, we have a complicated relationship with something that we were forced to, to farm, right, and gave our lives for, and how do we break apart from that? And I love what you're talking about with just little by little by little, right? It doesn't have to be cold turkey unless you're that kind of person. I'm that kind of person. I'm just odd. Like, I'll just decide that I'm not doing that anymore, whatever it is, right? Even you know, being married. I'm like, all right, I'm done with this particular thing. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> if it's not serving me, I'm not serving it. Goodbye. But I was, but I will say that with regard to sugar, so many of the foods that we eat, we don't even realize this is that holiday time of year, something like a stuffing that we buy in the store, like a dressing, that box can have 16 teaspoons of sugar in that, do you hear what I'm saying? 16 teaspoons of sugar in a box of something that's salty. Why? It's a cheap filler. It goes in, it helps the weight of the box weigh heavier and it addicts people ultimately, right? It addicts you. You're like, oh, I really need the taste of that, you know, childhood rice or whatever it is, right? So when we have our tea, why not take it like lots of our ancestors did with just the slightest bit of sweetness or just a tip of the milk that we like, whether it's oat milk, whatever, and just really enjoy the flavor. That mm -hmm. That's what I love about things from Kenya. Let me tell you about the teas from Kenya. They don't get the credit they should. Uh, Kenya provide is the second largest provider of black tea on the planet. And it never gets that press. And they're supplies of teas that go around the world feed villages back in Kenya. It feeds the farmers. It allows them to farm organically and sustainably. They are miles ahead of even U.S. systems of farming sustainably. So I just I just absolutely love it. I'm going to send you a bag of this um, elephant. Oh, because... I already bought it. Oh, yeah. So don't that, no. Let me snap. let me do what I do. <laughs> oh, snap! Buy indeed. what I did. Yeah, I already did it. But while that we were elephant talking. walk yeah. is has been for years. I'm gonna let the secret out. Right? Has been for years. My personal tea. Like I have it under a lock in my house. Nobody can drink mommy's special tea. Like I that purple tea from Kenya just has just hits different. And it's those nutrients. When we talk about the cradle of civilization, many people think about you know, Egypt or Samaria or, you know, Abyssinia or whatever, wherever people are talking. But the truth of the matter is that when we talk about the, the countries in Eastern, you know, Southeastern uh, and Central, like around Lake Nyanza, which is what we call it, not Lake Victoria, because boo, boo. But this is the cradle of civilization in so many ways. So of course, the most potent things live in that place, you know? Uh, I can't say enough about it. When we talk about our global family and being a global majority, everything we eat at this time of the year, everything that we drink, everything we buy, we really have to think about who it's benefiting ultimately. So I appreciate that. Well, this is a bit of community, something yes. that Dr. Senyata does quite frequently in Nubia. And I love this. I've never heard of elephant walk before. And uh, this purple tea looks amazing. And I want to 
you know, I have my whole purple now, now with yeah, Octavia. The elephants walk right through the tea farm. They just walk through and they like to eat the tea. <laughs> I love it. And they live and they got good memories. I need something for that too. Yeah. Dr. Amon, thank you so much. I will see you on Sunday in the Nubian streets. Appreciate you thank and y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah, see you next week. Check out CalabashTea.com, CalabashTea.com. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.